Good morning. Yep, we are on. Well, I was one of the people that just got back from camp yesterday. My name is Greg. I'm on staff here at Harvest. Um, and all week, uh, it would come up that I was preaching this Sunday, and people gave me like this, this like, I'm, oh, I feel so bad for you, look. And I'd tell them, like, no, 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 like, this is my decision. Like, I wanted to do this. Um, at some point during the week, I, I did add to that, like, it may have been a dumb decision. <laughs> I am, uh, actually, I feel pretty good. I haven't had coffee um, today, which is really bizarre for me, but, um, but I feel pretty decent. Uh, I do notice w- we have some kids in the room that we uh, kind of sent out a warning earlier that, uh, that there is some, uh, some sensitive material in this sermon. So if you have a kid younger than middle school, I would, I would really think about taking them out of the room. And, and maybe, maybe we'll get through the sermon and you're like, Greg, what are you talking about? Like, we've already talked to our kids about that. Well, that's great. I just don't know what you've talked to your kids about. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you. My wife, she's a teacher. Um, and uh, she, uh, well, no. Mm, she ruined a holiday <laughs> figure for people. Um, uh, she teaches fifth grade. Yes. And, and uh, she did not mean to do that. Um, <laughs> It was bad. It was really bad. Um, anyway, I look around the room, though, and some people might be in that boat. So uh, we should pray. Let's do that. <laughs> Jesus, you're, you're good. Lord, I'm already talking about things I didn't mean to talk about. Um, so, Holy Spirit, we, uh, we always need you. The, the need is, is really no different any day. We need you, and, and we want to hear from you. We want to hear from, from your word. Uh, so would you speak, Lord? Would you speak to our hearts? God, we, we want to love like you love, Lord. Uh, we are in a world that desperately needs to know about you, Jesus. So would you help us uh, to, to freely give the love that you've given to us, Lord? And God, in, in uh, areas of our life where we need conviction, I just ask that you would bring that. Would you open up our hearts and our minds? Would you, would you search us, God, and, and show us where we are just really not like you, Lord? In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, so ETV was great. If you did go to ETV, which is our high school camp, could you stand up, staff and students, just so people can kind of see how many people we had there? Yeah, you can clap for that. So a lot of them are sleeping because there were actually, I think there were like almost 80 of us there from Harvest. So uh, we, uh, it's a camp where we get together with, uh, I think, seven other churches. They're around, I don't know, maybe 250, 300 people, I'm not exactly sure. Um, it was a good week. Um, yeah, every camp's unique, um, and, and this one was, uh, was its own week for sure. Um, but I, I think I walked away just uh, realizing, like, man, God is so faithful to us. We make all these plans, and we think it's going to go like this, and God just does what, what God is going to do. And, and I, I'm, so, I'm so grateful for that. Well, uh, today we're talking about the value of human life, and I think your bulletin, it may say sanctity of human life, um, uh, but I changed uh, the title, uh, you can see it down there, the sacredness of, of, of human life. Um, uh, we're, we're in the Ten Commandments, so if, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus twenty thirteen. I think we'll have it on the screen. Um, I memorized our passage today, you shall not murder. And now you guys have it memorized too, so well done. Um, uh, this one probably seems like a no-brainer to, to all of us, right? None of us in the room um, question like why this is why this is a Ten Commandment, and, I, and I'm sure that uh, really none of us struggle with with uh, even considering 
murdering uh, someone. Um, but murder is the, the unjust taking of, uh, of human life. Um, and, and one thing that's tricky about this passage, this topic, the, the more I got into it, there are so many things that could be addressed today. And my guess is there are going to be at least a few people in the room that are going to say, Greg, Greg, why did you not talk about this? And I'm just telling you, I, I can't. I can't talk about everything. Um, you don't want me to talk about everything. Um, so, so we're going to zone in on, um, on, on something that I think God has for us today. Um, but there's, you can go way, way further into this. Um, and and we'll even, uh, I'll even post some resources um, either on our Facebook page or on our website um, for, for uh, some, some different things that, that you could look into. Um, but like I said, we all know that, that uh, murder is wrong. Um, uh, Jesus, in, in Matthew five twenty one, I think we'll have that on the screen for you. It says, uh, you, have heard it, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the, to the hell of fire. So Jesus takes this, this commandment, you shall not murder. And, and uh, it looks like it's one of the easiest ones for us to follow. But he teaches us it isn't just the, the physical act of murder, but it's the, the feelings in, in our heart. Um, it, it's, it's what we do with our anger towards others and, and, and even our words. So suddenly, when we see Jesus and, and what he says about this command, we really all stand guilty, right? We've all said things that we never should have said. We, we've all um, harbored or even fueled hateful thoughts um, towards others. Um, my, my kiddos uh, say some things that they shouldn't say, and uh, one of our children, uh, to my wife, used to say uh, when they were really angry, I'm trying not to give away who it is, when they were really angry, they would say, I hope you die and go be with Jesus in heaven. That's just what happens when you're a pastor's kid. You say stuff like that. Um, she would get really mad at us. Um, but but we, we all stand, and we've said stuff, we've thought stuff, we, we've, we've kept feelings and emotions towards others, bitterness towards others. Um, and, and Jesus says, man, that's, that's like murdering, right? You're murdering um, my creation. Uh, so, so this, it is in the, in the Ten Commandments, um, Exodus twenty thirteen. but it's not the first time that God talked about murder. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 9, and this is uh, Noah and his family. They just, um, they just watched the flood come and, and wipe out the rest of humanity um, because of their wickedness. And if you think about what that must have felt like for them. I'm sure they're grateful to be alive. Um, but you know when you're near something and you just feel small and, and maybe even insignificant, right? Like, like this last week um, out at ETV as uh, our high school camp, I'm looking at the stars. It's, it's just incredible to see the stars. Like, and you can actually see why they call it the, the Milky Way. It's unbelievable. But so often when I look at the stars, I just feel really, really small. Right or, or uh, I saw the Hoover Dam once, and and, and I I realized like how how fragile I actually am. Like I'm this I'm this little tiny thing, and I I wonder, um, I imagine that Noah and his family they probably felt pretty vulnerable, 
realizing that, that God, um, God just wiped out the rest of humanity. Uh, I wonder if they felt insignificant as they saw the devastation of the flood. But God comes down, and, and he really has a, a really different message for them. Um, in, in Genesis 9 here, he, he comes and he communicates to Noah and his family actually how precious humanity is to him. Above all the rest of creation, humanity is uniquely important to God. People are so valued, and, and he wanted Noah and his family to, to understand that. So let's read in uh, Genesis 9. Um, I think we'll just do verses 1 through 6. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall, shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. For your lifeblood I will require a reckoning. From every beast I will require it. And from man and from his fellow man I will require a reckoning. For the life of man. And, and we read that, that the God, he's even holding animals accountable for taking the life of man. And I, I can't tell you that I fully know what that means. Um, but if he's going to hold an animal accountable for, for something, I think they do instinctively. What, 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 how does he hold us accountable, right, for, for the life that, that we are entrusted with, the lives of, uh, of those we interact with? Verse 6. It says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And this, this verse really helps us see why, why human life is sacred. And I'm ripping off from Tim Keller here, but he gives three reasons from this passage that, 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 uh, that human life is sacred. And the first is, is that human life is, is, is priceless. Right? Like, there's nothing you can pay to make up for a human life. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care, how, I don't care what you have. Like you, you cannot make it better by writing a check or giving your house. Or, or, or someone spending 30 years in prison doesn't, doesn't make it better. Right? Like human life is, is, is priceless. There's no value, value that can be put on human life. And this applies to everyone, right? The rich, the poor, male, female. doesn't matter where you're from. doesn't matter your socioeconomic. doesn't matter your, your race, your beliefs. Like we're, we're all infinitely valuable to God. And there's no currency that can cover what is owed for human life. And, and um, you might look at this, or someone might look at this, and, and see just an angry God that is out for blood. Um, but, but I think it's actually totally the opposite. This is a God that places such a high value on life that the only currency that meets the demand is blood from another. And, and we could, one of the things I'm not going to get into is, is capital punishment. Honestly, I think, um, I think if that's what we take away from this, then we totally miss what's going on here. That we totally miss how valuable life is, what, what God has, has created um, every human life is incredibly valuable, and, and nothing but blood can pay for it. So the first is that it's priceless. The second is that uh, life is, is not yours. Like you, you, are, you are accountable for it. It's put 
into your hands, but it's not put into your ownership, right? So um, I was just at camp, so I'll give you a camp illustration. I'm a, I was a sixth grader going to Camp Tadmore, and my dad gave me $20, right, for the snack shack or whatever. Uh, I don't know if it was really 20 bucks, but that's what I remember. Um, and, uh, and I got home from camp, and he, he said something along the lines of, uh, do you have any of that $20 left? Or, or, or so he implied, like, was there money left over? If so, give it to me, right? And in my mind, I'm thinking, you gave me 20 bucks. You better believe I spent all of it. Like, there's no way I'm coming home with anything, right? I didn't say that. I said it way more respectfully. I probably just said, nope, spent it all, Dad. Bought a T-shirt and a lot of candy. Um, uh, but, but so say my buddy at camp, though, if I'm at camp with a friend, and uh, I don't know, he's, he's hurt, right? He sprained his ankle, and he, he, gives me, uh, he gives me a couple bucks. He says, hey, Greg, will you go, and would you get me some, uh, some Sour Patch Kids and a pop and, uh, and, and buy something for yourself? Well, he gives me that money, but it's, it's not my money, right? Like, I go, and he's asked me to, to, to do something with, with his money. Like, he's the owner of it, right? So, so this, this life that, that God gives... We're not the owners of it, right? And we, I don't think we like to hear that, but, but God is, is, is the owner. Human life is, is sacred in, in, in this way. Like every human we come in contact with, right? It could be your barista, your coworker, your neighbor, a homeless person, crazy driver on the freeway. Like we're accountable for how we interact with them, for how we treat them, how, how we love them. God says, I'm holding you accountable for how how you treat the people that, that your life intersects with. No human, be is, no human being is yours. You can't use them. You can't abuse them, discard them. You can't do with other people as you wish. You're accountable to the owner. And he says that, that we have to treat them the, the way that he wants them treated. So um, if, if, I, uh, if I had a friend that owned a vacation house and, and they, uh, they let me and my family stay in their vacation house, I'm going to treat that house incredibly well. Like, actually, probably better than I'd treat my own vacation house if I have one. I don't. Um, I, I, I'm going to treat it really, really well because I, I know that he, this person has an expectation um, for, for how their home is treated. It does not belong to me, and, and neither Neither does human life. Like, I can't just do with, with other, other people um, as I please. And, and really, I would argue that I can't just do with myself as I please. Like, I've been, I've been purchased by Christ. The last one is, is that we are, uh, human life is sacred because we're made in the image of God. Divine glory rests on every human being. He put, he's put his stamp on us. Um, a guy named Thomas Watson he said, uh, basically, whenever we harm another human being, when, when we, when we uh, violate who, who, who they are, when we use them, abuse them, mistreat them, he, he says that you're tearing the picture of God. And that is such helpful imagery for me. When I was a kid, um, uh, at this one house, we, I had a neighbor that I'm guessing, like looking back, he was probably like 16 or 17. I was in like second grade. And every once in a while, like I'd just, I'd see him, talk to him. He's a really nice guy. And, uh, and he had a girlfriend and, you know, I didn't even really know what that meant back then, but he had a girlfriend and she was super nice to me too. And I'd see her every once in a while. Um, and then eventually I realized like she wasn't coming around anymore. Like they'd been, 
as my memory, they'd been together a, a while. Um, and he was in his garage, and uh, he was throwing darts at a dartboard. And, and her picture was on the dartboard. And, um, and it, I get it. it. That is a little bit funny. Um, uh, I'm like in preaching mode, so I didn't see the humor in that. Um, uh, but so I'm, you know, I'm a second grader. I'd never seen that before, but I knew exactly what that meant. Like I knew exactly what was going on there. Um, and I think that, that's what God's saying to us. Like we, when we assault someone else, when we mistreat someone else, when we're cold, when we ignore, when we you know, fill in the blank, that's what we're doing to God. We're, we're, we're tearing that image. We're, we're throwing that dart. And, and really, it, it, it's aimed at someone else, but, but we're, hitting, we're hitting God with that. And Bible, the Bible tells us that all of creation reflects God's glory, like Sherry read from uh, Psalm 19, that, that the heavens declare God's glory. And uh, this last week at our high school camp, like I got to raft one day on the Deschutes River, and I love that river. Um, I, I love the, the, the power of that river. I love just going through the canyon. And, and we talk on the boats. We, we just talk about, like, isn't it amazing? That God made this. Like, this is so incredible. Like, we can see God's power here, his creativity. And, 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 and creation does reflect who God is. It does remind us. It tells us how awesome God is. But he did something different, something unique with humanity. He, he, he made the, the image way more clear. Right? Like, I could go... Um, I could go to a, like a, a lake and, and look in it, and I could see a reflection of myself, and it'd be, it'd be all right, like not perfect. I could go to uh, like a window, right, and, and I could look at that, and if the light's just right, like I could, I could see my reflection. But if I go to a mirror, then I can really see my reflection. Like the, the reflection's almost perfect. And, and, and while creation reflects God, Man, God, God did something special in humanity in giving us the, the image of God. And, and a lot of people talk about the image of God being on humans like a mirror that, that's been broken, right? And, and we, we are trying to reflect how awesome God is, right? His creativity, uh, that, that he's personal, right? That he's rational. I mean, we can go on and on about the unique ways that God is eternal, uh, the unique ways that, that we reflect God's image, even though that, that mirror has been broken by sin, um, we, we, still, we still reflect that image. This is kind of a side note, but I, I heard a guy once say that uh, you reflect whatever you're pointed towards. Whatever you're pointed towards, you reflect. And I wonder, what is it? What is it that you reflect? Like, Do people see Jesus in you? Or do they see, I don't know, do they see someone that's just about their career or just about you know, fill in the blank? Like wh- whatever pointed towards is, is what we reflect. And God says, I, I've put my stamp on you. So all of human life is, is sacred, but we, uh, we cheapen it. We devalue it. I got to work at a, uh, at a um, assisted living, a nursing home, uh, for I think it was like nine months. And um, there are multiple reasons why I did it. Part of it was um, my grandma was in an assisted living home for the last several years of her life, and I was pretty terrified to to be there. Like I just, 
there was something about being around people that were at the end of life that really, really scared me. And, and it, it's a regret that I didn't like visit my grandma enough. So there's an opportunity to do this. And there's some other reasons I took the job too. But um, I was a mental health counselor at a, at a, at a nursing home. And this is, this is people's last stop, um, most of them, um, uh, b- before they died. And, uh, and man, I, I have some super funny stories from, from that place. Uh, there, was a, there was a woman... Uh, Helen, and supposedly, I don't know if this is true, but Helen supposedly was a, was a nun um, earlier in life. Um, the, the ironic part was she, like, swore a lot. Um, so, I, like, I just don't imagine nuns swearing. I haven't been around nuns, really. But, uh, but Helen, Helen swore a lot. She, she talked like a pirate. <laughs> she was like, it, and, and she called me St. Gregory. I don't know. She was, St. Gregory. <laughs> it, was, it was great. Like, I, I, loved, I loved Helen. Um, she, uh, she was also, and, uh, she was the most wrinkled person there. And and I don't mean that in a weird way. It's going to make sense in a second. Um, like she just, uh, no one else had wrinkles all over her like Helen did. And Helen, um, she was kind of angry. I mean, we got along, but there were days where you knew like, you're not, don't even, don't talk to Helen today. Not for you, but for her, like, it's just not good. Um, but I remember the first time I saw Helen smile. First time I saw her happy. She smiled, and every wrinkle made sense. I, I, man, it was just like this moment, like, oh, oh I wish I knew this story, because this very clearly was a woman that spent a lot of time in life smiling. There was a, um, a client named Virginia. She was in a wheelchair. Um, she really, she really uh, she did not know what was going on um, much of the time. So uh, we'd talk, and I'd walk her in a wheelchair down the halls, and, uh, and every once in a while, she'd like, I think she flipped the brake, or somehow she stopped the wheelchair to let me know, like, it's time to stop, and we're going to talk here. And one day, she did that. She stopped the wheelchair, and, uh, and so I you know, go around, and we start talking, and she goes, when are you going to give me that kiss? <laughs> <laughs> and I just said, that is not in the treatment plan. <laughs> Virginia said a lot of other things, too, that I won't say. Um, there's a woman named Betty. Uh, Betty was, man, I think she was like 96 or something. Uh, by the time I met her, uh, she was really frail, lived. Uh, she could not get out of her bed. Once I saw her, like, sitting up in her bed, but it was with the help of a CNA. Um, and I just, I loved spending time with her. She was such, such a sweet woman. And one day, um, her... Uh, some like niece or some some relative that I'd never seen before brought in uh, these photo albums and uh, and we spent like the next few weeks going through uh, her life in, in pictures and it was awesome like i I saw pictures from the opening day of Disneyland she was there um, she was there with her husband he uh, he worked for the associated press they, they they were never able to have kids, so they borrowed their friends' kids and took them to Disneyland <laughs> uh, on the first day and, and man I, I just I loved. I loved being with Betty, and I could go on and on and on and on. It didn't take me long to learn one really important thing, like how, how necessary human contact is, right? That, that life is so, so precious. There are very few visitors at the nursing home. Um, it made me so sad, and if I talk about it long enough right now, I'll start crying. Um, I, it was a privilege to just be with these people, even the ones that really had no clue who I was, they'd forget every, 
every, every time I came to see them, I, I was with them two times a week for 45 minutes. And some of them, they couldn't remember at all who I was. But it was so good to be with them. And, and that's because human life is, is, is so sacred. Um, and, and there's a population that, that our culture largely neglects. I want to go through uh, just some, some different ways that, that we devalue, we cheapen human life. Um, when I was a kid, uh, Michael Jordan was a big deal, and his shoes were a big deal. Like Michael Jordan was really the first person that, um, that kind of small, he had, he had his own shoe and everybody wanted them. And, and, and there were hundreds of dollars. Um, I, I got, I got one pair in seventh grade and I thought I was awesome. And, and then suddenly I noticed everybody had that pair. Like, I don't know if we all caught the same sale, if they made way too many, but I felt super good in my Jordans. But I remember hearing news stories that, um, people get killed over a pair of Michael Jordan shoes. Right? Like how ridiculous is that, that someone would take someone's life over anything, but, but over, over that. Um, slavery. Like, we still have a slave problem in our world. Um, the, the best number I can find, or the number most agreed upon, is, is right now we've got about 46 million slaves globally. Um, that blows my mind that that, 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 that is, still, is still happening. Uh, I think in the last decade or so, I know a lot of us, myself included, like we've just become way more aware of, of sex trafficking. Um, and I'm going to show you a, a little video. I was just going to mention sex trafficking, but um, I just feel like we can't blow by this. It, um, it, we're really fortunate in our area. We have a woman named uh, Lyndon, uh, Linda Smith, um, who, uh, who I don't remember what she did. Was she a representative? Does anybody remember Linda Smith? Yes, she was representative, uh, and she, she left that um, really to champion um, fighting sex trafficking. So she runs an organization called Sh- uh, Shared Hope International. And this is a really quick video um, off their webpage, but, but I would recommend, um, like, if you really don't know uh, about the problem of sex trafficking, and this isn't like a, just an overseas problem, like this is our backyard problem. Like this has happened in Camas. This has happened in Clark County. Um, anyway, I would check out their, their website. If you just type in uh, Shared Hope International, you'll find it. But let's watch this quick video. So I've been to a, a couple trainings that Shared Hope has uh, put on. And um, there's a world to everything, right? Uh, it doesn't matter what it is. There, there's a world uh, to everything. And, and it, it, it's been eye-opening for me to learn about sex trafficking. And if, if you're sitting here you're like, uh, I don't even want to say actually what I think people might be thinking. But, but if you think you know why, why kids get into sex trafficking, my guess is you probably don't. You're probably wrong. There's a good chance you're wrong. So uh, we need to educate ourselves. I remember the, there was a story uh, within the last two years that an Alaska Airlines flight attendant um, realized that, that this young girl on the plane was, uh, was being flown somewhere, sex trafficking, and she figured it out. If the authorities were called and they saved this girl. She was like 14. Um, uh, this is a... It's a huge problem, and, and um, man, Christians should be leading the way in, in helping fight this. Um, somewhat, or definitely connected to that is we devalue human life by objectifying people. You know? And I, and I, I typically, typically think of this as a male thing, but I realize females do this too. Um, but we, we, we objectify 
others. Um, uh, I had a friend that was listening to sports radio a few months ago, and uh, the person on, on the, uh, the radio host was going off, and they said something along the lines of, how is it 2017, and we, we have women half-dressed dancing at NFL games and basketball games. Like, it is absolutely ridiculous, like, how sexualized we, we have let everything become. Um, think of uh, David and, and Bathsheba. If you guys know the story, it's 2 Samuel 11. I'm just going to tell it really quick. Um, so David, uh, it says that, that while the kings were out to war, um, David was, was back at home. And he's sitting on top of the roof, and he, he notices this woman, Bathsheba, who's, uh, who's bathing on her roof. Um, and, and, and he lusts after her. And he, he asks someone, he's like, hey, tell me about her. And the person comes back, and they say, that's, that's Bathsheba. Right? Like he says, like, she has a name. Like this woman you're lusting after, that's, that's Bathsheba. And then he keeps going. He says, uh, she's the daughter of Eliam, right? Like, like Bathsheba has a dad. Bathsheba has a mom, probably brothers and sisters. And then he, and he says, she's the husband of Uriah, one of the guys that's fighting right now for you. Like David had made this woman the, the object of his lust. And, and here comes this person trying to, to say, no, like there's, this is a human we, we have a huge problem in our culture. Um, pornography is a giant problem. It's a giant problem among males. It's a growing problem among females. I heard of a, a study in the UK. They were trying to find a group of 20-year-old males to, um, uh, to study the effects of uh, pornography on their brains. Um, so they needed males, 20-year-old males, that, that had not been exposed to pornography or, or really, really limited exposure, and they gave up. They could not find enough for a sample group. It's, it's, a, it's a massive problem. Um, porn, which it's a nickname now, right? Like that's how comfortable we are with it. Do you remember when it was called pornography? Now it's just porn. You know, it's, 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 it's like your buddy just calling you by your nickname. Um, but pornography, it, it, it isn't relational. Like it, it, it removes relationship. Um, it communicates that people aren't emotional beings, that they aren't complicated. Young men are having more and more difficulties handling the, the, the messiness of a normal relationship. Pornography is, is, is impacting their ability to, to be able to date a woman and, and deal with the normal realities of, of a complicated person. I'm not saying anything about women. I'm, we're all complicated, right? Um, porn is, it's taken away that from, from tons of young men. Um, we have fewer marriages right now in the United States, right, than, than ever before. Like, it, it, porn is, is, is impacting. I'm sure there are other things that impact it too, but, but porn is, is, is destroying so much uh, of of what God intended in, in, in a relationship, in a sexual relationship. And you think about how many issues there are around um, body image for young females. No wonder, right? Like the, the way we have sexualized women. Um, pornography is a, a huge, huge issue, and, and I encourage you, um, if you're even, if it's a problem at all, like, like you look at it, man, confess that. Talk to someone. 
talk to someone about that. I talked to a pastor a couple weeks ago. I was, I was just telling him how frustrated I am with the resources for pornography, um, for, for high schoolers especially, because that's who I've been working with forever, and college students. And, uh, and, and he agrees, like, yeah, there's really not anything, which I was bummed. I was hoping there was, like, some great resource. Um, I, well, there is great counseling in, in, in groups, but I was looking for, like, a book. Um, but anyway, he said, the real problem is most men will never confess it. Like, most of them just hide it. And, man, it's, it's because we don't trust that if we confess our sin that God will actually heal us. Like, we need to do that. I didn't even mean to go there right now. Um, another way we devalue human life, and this is, this is one that I'm absolutely terrible at, passing by people without even acknowledging them, right? Like, I don't know if you've been to, like, I've been to cities in the Midwest, and I'm walking along, and, like, everybody, it seems like they know me because they smile and they say hi. And, like, our area, Portland, like, we're not... We're not the friendliest group of people. And I, I, I just pass by people, and I don't even acknowledge it. Like, that's another image bearer of God. Um, many, of us, many of us demonstrate that our phone is actually more valuable than human life. Like, to our kids, I'm so bad at this. Like, I get so distracted by this stupid thing uh, all the time. Uh, students, when I, when I drive by bus stops of middle schoolers and high schoolers, I get really sad. Because there will be like a group of kids, like, like in this little area, maybe like six different students. And almost all the time, they're all doing this. Like there's no conversation happening, no eye contact. A lot of them have earbuds in. Like there's no r- relational stuff happening at all. Like we, we, we just, we are ignoring like the life that, that God has put around us. Racism, man, this is... Um, just with, uh, with this political season, you know, I've really been looking at myself and going, Lord, search me. Like, where, where am I? Where do I have racist tendencies um, or implicit racial bias, as Emily and Elvin uh, talks to us about in a, in a forum at ETV, sorry. Um, uh, I, I've been talking to friends that are minorities and just trying to learn because I realize, like, there's stuff in me I'm not, I'm not aware of at all. I'm, I'm ashamed. Um, one group that, that, uh, that's treated pretty horribly in our country is, is Muslims, right? And they're people. Like, they are people. And I, I know that, that uh, there's a percentage of them that have done really horrible things to our country. Um, you know what I hate? I hate when Christians do really horrible things and I get lumped in with them. I hate it. I hate it when Christians are stupid, right? Let's not be stupid. Can we make that pact together? Because I, I hate... I hate it when I'm talking to someone that doesn't know Jesus, and then they tell me about what this Christian once did, and I, and I just feel like an idiot. I hate, even more, I hate how, how that makes God look. Well, we've done that to lots of people groups. I mentioned Muslims, but we've done that to lots of people groups. Man, Jesus loves everybody. Uh, I heard this from Elvin, that in the last 10 to 15 years, more Muslims have come to know Jesus than in the previous, I think, 1,400 years. Jesus sure seems to care, right? Man, we, we need to, too. Another way we devalue is, is gossip. And I don't even think I need to spend much time on this, but, but when we talk negatively about someone, we're, we're, tearing, we're tearing that picture. Like we, and it, it, yeah, we, we so easily justify um, gossip. Another one is, is social media. Um, this is one where I get really embarrassed, um, uh, uh, the way I watch other Christians um, act on social media. And I, as I said that, I've, I'm sure I've done stupid things too, actually. Um, I try to be really, really careful. Um, and, and, and I don't like seeing non-Christians 
uh, be unloving on social media, but I don't really expect them to love like Jesus, right? Like, I'm, I'm happy when they do. When I see Christians super prideful, super arrogant, slamming other people, man, I, I do expect us to be really loving. Like, we should be the most loving people anywhere, and, and that includes social media. And, and it comes back to what your mom said, right? Like, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. If your mom didn't tell you that, she should have. Like, like that's really, really simple. Like, we should be the, the most loving people um, Romans 13, uh, Paul, he's just talking about debt and owing to uh, uh, paying our taxes. And, and then he says this in, in 13.8. Yes, I do have it on the screen. 13.8, he says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, uh, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the filling, fulfilling of the law. You shall not murder. Uh, we can equate that with we need to love as Jesus has, has loved us. And it's ironic that, uh, that Jesus allowed himself to be murdered on our behalf. Um, the debt that we racked up through sin was paid by the precious blood of Christ. His, his blood was traded for our life. And through that blood, we, we can have forgiveness if we'll put our trust in him. Jesus calls us to turn from our sin, to turn from ourself, and, and follow hard after him. And we're about to sing some songs. The band, you can come up, actually. We're going to sing some songs. On either side here, we have uh, communion tables. We, we've got uh, bread um, and, and a cup of grape juice. Because um, we, we want to celebrate. We want to remember uh, Jesus' death for us um, that, that he has brought um, he's brought forgiveness if we'll place our faith in him. And this is a meal for people that have already placed their trust in Jesus. And, and if you haven't placed your trust in Jesus and, and you want to, um, we've got some prayer team people that will be up here during these songs. Um, but I encourage you, if you do know Jesus, like, let's remember together um, w- what he has done for us. Let me pray. God, you are, you are so good, Lord. You, you love, obviously, perfectly. Um, Jesus, will you help us to love more like you? God, we help us to to value the people that we're around, the, the people that even bug us, Lord, the, the people that, that don't work as hard as we do at work, or um, I don't know, the people that drive us crazy. Uh, Jesus, we need to love like you love. I pray that we would, we would treat the, the lives that you've put in our lives so valuably, Lord, because you are the owner of those lives. It's in your name we pray, Jesus.